What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of Shadow Talk. Joining me today is Alex Giraku, sitting across from me. Always a pleasure, Mr. Always, Harrison. Always a pleasure. And uh, also sitting across from me is our Chief Information Security Officer, Rick Holland. How are you doing? I'm good. The pleasure is yours. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's true. Um, so on this special edition, we're going to kind of cover the... FBI IC3 report that comes out annually. This is a report that's put together by the FBI, basically covering the cyber crimes that are reported to the IC3 division. Um, we've done blogs on this in the past, and we've covered it on the podcast in the past. Um, Alex has written the blog this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just wanted to kind of touch on some of the more interesting kind of aspects of it and kind of walk through the report. Um, so yeah, so if you want to get us kicked off, then then we yeah. can go from there. I mean, this year is a little bit of an early surprise, right? We yeah. got it a little bit earlier, a couple of months actually, mm-hmm. than we did last year, which is always good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm cool with the February you know, report. It usually comes out in April, so. Yeah. So the FBI IC3 is the Internet Crimes Complaint Center. Uh, it's run by the FBI. It's basically a kind of aggregate system that people can go onto the website and they can fill out a form and say, you know, I've been... Um, I've been a victim of so-and-so type of cybercrime, right. um, how many people were affected. So you can do it on an individual or an organization level. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a simple form that you fill out. And it's, it's a way for, uh, for one, for people to report cybercrimes and then, you know, uh, give the FBI kind of like a contact mm-hmm. information back. Um, and then also it serves as kind of like a data aggregation in general. So that's why we get these data reports uh, and we can see trends across different sectors and across the globe and things like that. So, um, so that's kind of like the initial sort of reasoning behind, behind the IC3 in general. Yeah. And it's not just open to citizens of the U S right. They, uh, the IC3 received complaints from all across the world, mm-hmm. um, like the UK, for example. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, it, I mean, like you say, it's regular citizens, but also like companies can use the mm-hmm. form as well to, uh, to report the, um, Cybercrimes that way. This year, the IC3 report stated that over $3.5 billion were lost uh, from the data that they aggregated. Um, so, Alex, what is some of the breakdown of that $3.5 billion? So, that uh, that $3.5 billion is split across 460,000, a bit over 460,000 individual complaints. Um, compared to last year, last year there were a total of, there was a total of $2.7 billion. Um, so that's about a 30% increase in total losses from cybercrime from one year to the next, which is, which is pretty significant. question I always have on is, and you don't know this because you don't know who's not reporting, but mm-hmm. you know, how much of that is the total loss that's actually yeah. out there? I mean, it's, it's almost certainly to be higher than it actually is being reported because there's no real obligation for a lot of individuals or a lot of companies even to report that they've been made victim of a cybercrime. Right. right. And I think um, actually within the report, they have like a little asterisk next to ransomware mm-hmm. where they have like the losses associated with the ransomware variant itself. But then they say, you know, this is not encompassing of mm-hmm. like a business's actual loss yeah. from ransomware. So like that, this number does not encompass like projected loss from companies being down Mm -hmm. uh, because of ransomware. And we know how prevalent ransomware has been in the last year Mm -hmm. and how widespread that's been. So uh, that's a good point to make in that, you know, it's not, might not be fully encompassing, but it is kind of a good gauge as to where things are going. And it's a good way to look at general trends, right? So you can look at the most popular types of fraud that people are experiencing um, or even some of the things that aren't really that popular right now. So among the lowest were things like terrorism or, or hacktivism, to which cyber element that involves um, financial loss 
it's not really big for that type of attack. Whereas if you look at something like business email compromise, inherently involves mm-hmm. substantial um, losses of, of money. Right. So so let's let's take into business email compromise a little bit because that was the number one uh, reigning, <laughs> I guess, uh, threat, yeah. threat type. Um, Again, too, yeah. for the second year running. So out of the, uh, the 3.5 billion total across all of the elements of cybercrime, business email compromise and email account compromise was 1.7 billion just on its own. Right. That's right. pretty significant. That's to put that in perspective, that's more than the combined total uh, of all losses from everything in 2017's report. And that was just two years ago. So in 2019, in total, out of the $1.7 billion that was reportedly lost, it's over 23,775 23, complaints that were sent into the IC3. Mm-hmm. Um, is this an increase? Is this a decrease from last year? You know, obviously the amount of loss is an increase, uh, but what about the amount of people actually reporting, um, you know, BEC to... Yeah, so that is a not super significant, but it is an increase from last year. So last year there were about twenty thousand reports, and this year is about twenty three thousand reports. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, they they talked about it in last year's report as well, but uh, they pointed out again in this, uh, you know, they they kind of break out certain hot topics within mm-hmm. within the report. Um, and you know, in the business email compromise section, they talk about uh, payroll diversion fraud. And that was one of the breakout sections that they did last, last year. year as well. Um, and it's just interesting to see it again this year. They're saying that, you know, the IC3 observed an increase in the number of uh, BEC complaints related to the diversion of payroll funds. Um, you know, this is something that we see, or at least we get, we get warned about, you know, through, through our company. And I think it's something that all companies should really do uh, when, you know, uh, tax returns are coming up. It's like, be sure to check your W-2, um, mailing statements, you know, be sure that all the contact information is, is correct. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a good practice to do, but I think it's an easy thing to overlook. Yeah. Cause like, it's kind of one of those things that you set and forget and you don't ever really go back and check it again. Um, so if somebody were to get into your account and then change it, you might not know. There you go. I mean, that's part of the reason why BEC is so popular because it can result in these high value thefts, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the amount of victims affected by BEC, it's not even in the top five um, in the IC3 report. But if you look at the amount of money that was actually lost, it's number one by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, especially with the with the diversion fraud, or the, the um, sorry, the payroll diversion fraud, that's something that, you know, it's something outside of the norm of social engineering BEC. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's one of the things that we see a lot of, um, or at least it's one of those things that are, are, are noticed. You know, you see like an email from, clearly not from your CEO or something like that, but it's they're asking you to, you know, wire them funds or, you know, they're urging you to send something, send some documents or something like that. Um, this payroll diversion fraud, it happens under the radar and it's less noticeable, I think, than than uh, mm-hmm. you know those other they also techniques. they also are routing the money to a prepaid card which i would imagine makes recovery of the funds difficult if not impossible versus if you were wiring it to another financial institution mm-hmm. right um, which yeah. Sorry, yeah and i mean the ic3 has a specific uh team dedicated to the recovery of of bc fraud um that's the the recovery asset team the Rats team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it's interesting because they, they, they kind of started it halfway through the year last mm-hmm. year. 
this was their first year of full operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to give some of the stats that yeah. you know, they reported? So they claimed uh, an impressive 79% success rate, mm-hmm. um, which is which is great. And they've recovered over $300 million from online scams alone over the past year. And that's the year that they were inaugurated in, mm-hmm. um, just over the past year. That's pretty significant. Um, so the way that this team basically works is, you know, the rat team is, is basically designed to work with financial institutions to go in after a BEC attack um, happens and funds are actually stolen from a bank account or they've been you know improperly transferred out to a to a to a criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, they go in, try and track it down, and try and get those assets back. Um, and so, some of the stats that you'd already listed, but the number of incidents that they uh, had reported to were a little over 1,300. Mm-hmm. The losses were about 384 million and then recovered about 304 million. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. for, for a, a team that's specifically designed for that purpose. That was just created. That was too. just created. I mean, like, that's great. Um, and yeah. it seems like they kind of expanded that in the last yeah. year. Um, so they changed up that. the structure a little bit, and they created the um, the recovery and investigative development team, so the RAID team. RAID? <laughs> <laughs> you got RAT, RAID. I mean, we're talking about everything. Everything. And so the RAID team oversees RAT and this new team called Money Mule Team, so the mm-hmm. MMT, uh, which was created to specifically perform analysis and research on previously unknown targets and new developing uh, cyber threats. seems like the MMT team is kind of designed to um, not necessarily follow, like, directly uh, follow up and, and recover the assets that mm-hmm. have already been kind of stolen. It's more to, like, research and, like, find out who the groups are yeah. and, you know, kind of, like, maybe more of, like, an intelligence sort of... So they definitely uh, work in, in tandem. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. They all work underneath RAID. Um, so that was interesting to see, uh, especially for this year. Mm-hmm. And the guidance, you know, one of the things that we were talking about earlier was the guidance for BEC victims, since it is such a substantial threat. Um, it hasn't necessarily been updated from the FBI's point of view uh, from last year, so a lot of that guidance still holds true. Um, I think reaching out to your local FBI field office is probably one of the really key things, and knowing who the who that contact would be. Uh, ahead of time before something like this happens and in a crisis scenario you're gonna need to know yeah for me a member of InfraGuard is a good way to mm-hmm. practically do that before um before you even do that knowing the guidance here is the exact same from last year on the financial institution is who is your corporate banking mm-hmm. institution that you use and know how to do a hold harmless letter or a letter of indemnity uh, with them as soon as possible to start that recovery process so you should have a playbook here, um, and it's pretty clear the guidance um, and almost an 80% recovery rate yeah. is pretty impressive. That's great, for sure. Um, all right, so let's move on to kind of the next, I guess the next hot topic <laughs> that they list out in the report, and that is elder fraud. Um, so elder fraud, which is kind of defined as like financial fraud schemes against uh, people who are over the age of 60. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the breakout topics that they had this year. So. Mm-hmm. Why don't we give a little bit more, uh, like, statistics and stuff like that behind it? This yeah. one just pisses me off, by <laughs> the way. Just, I mean, criminals, scum yeah. of the earth, targeting I mean, you know, your grandparents yeah. and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It just really frustrates me. Yeah, so when you submit a complaint to the IC3, you have the option of including your demographics. So you can include which age bracket you fit in. And those are defined as under 20, 20 to 29, 30 to 39, 40 to 49, 50 to 59, and over 60. Um, and out of all of those groups, 
the people in the over 60 category were by far the most targeted. There were over 68,000 complaints that affected victims over the age of 60. And they, they actually had the, the highest amount of loss, right? Yeah. So, right? so the total loss um, just for people in the, in the bracket of over 60 was 835 million. That's, that's a lot for one age bracket. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it goes to show why the FBI decided to specifically highlight this, you know, along the lines of something like BEC, which mm -hmm. is very, very widespread. Um, elder fraud, you know, uh, cyber criminals typically view people in these age brackets as, I know, I think it's pretty sad, as more likely to fall for social engineering attacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's kind of one of the, like Rick says, the yeah. more frustrating things. Um, one, one kind of good piece of news that they did report in that section specifically was that uh, in March of 2019, uh, FBI and other federal law enforcement basically did a uh, kind of like a sweep of um, 260 defendants who'd allegedly defrauded over 2 million U.S. victims uh, of more than $750 million. And they, you know, picked a lot of them up and... I guess they're kind of like awaiting trials and, and they're being charged and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that that's kind of being handled in, in large swaths like that. Um, yeah. Hopefully that continues into the future. So one of the interesting data points, I think, that has perplexed all of us um, that we really can't get our minds around and maybe listeners, you know, I know we have some FBI listeners out there and, uh, you know, maybe maybe you have contacts or friends that are FBI involved in the IC3, maybe, that'd be great, uh, that could reach out to us. But there was one stat in particular that we just could not understand. So, Alex, which one was that? So this is on the other side of the over 60. This is the, the victims that are under the age of 20. Uh, in 2019, there were just over 10,700 victims, which isn't a crazy number compared to previous years. It's not a significant increase. But what was significant was the total loss mm -hmm. for those 10,700 victims, which this year was $421 million. And, and compared to last year, which was... Compared to last year, which was $12 million. $12. And that's a 3,255% increase, which is crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we, I mean, we've all been talking about it all day. Like, we just cannot really understand how there was such a massive jump. And that goes to an average uh, per victim loss of just under $40,000. Right. I, I wish uh, each of my children under 20 <laughs> had potential uh, $80,000 for me yeah. to uh, take off. To of take, that. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, if you think about the, you know, I guess stereotypical under 20-year-old, not a whole lot of money there. I mean, they're just starting off, maybe just starting off in a career. Um, I just don't understand where all this money is coming from. And yeah, I just, I, and, and then the other thing is that the victim count is relatively low. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's the lowest victim count, right? It's the, it's the lowest victim count. Uh, so in, it's terms, only in terms of age. Yeah. In right. terms of age. So it's only 10,000, right? All the right. others are over 40,000. Right. Victims. And, and so Alex, you know, had kind of looked back past the past reports and mm -hmm. to, to check, to see what the other reports were saying about kind of the trends for that age group. And I mean, it all, it all lined up. I mean, it all seemed, you know, yeah, like it made sense. So for all the other age brackets, there was about a change of, you know, anywhere between 10 and 30% increase from last year, which is to be expected, but uh, over 3,200% increase that yeah. just stood out to me as, as odd. And we were trying to figure out, you know, what, what possible reasons could there be for this kind of increase to which I think we found no conclusive answers. All of my theories kept being disproven, so like I, I just, yeah. yeah. I, I Even if you take off a decimal point there, that's still a 200% plus 
increase, which again is it, it way made, more than everything it else. It made me think that maybe it was just an error in the in the report, and maybe it's just a typo. And yeah. I mean that's certainly possible. And um, but I I just don't know because I would have thought that like something that massive would have had like maybe an asterisk. Yeah. No, something. I mean if that was legit, it would make me think it would be in the executive summary on it. Mm-hmm. It would be. This yeah. it, it would be. It would be it would highlighted. Be, it would be a hot topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be. It'd be a breakout section. I if would, it was I would like. Imagine. It was like one. 19 year old who was defrauded out of, you know, $400 million. I mean, I wish I had that much. (laughs) 95% of that. So moving on to kind of the last topic that we'll talk about, uh, ransomware. We all love ransomware, don't we? (laughs) Love it. I mean, like 2019 was a big year for ransomware. You had a lot of major events, things like Gancrab, Sudden Akibi. So hot. So hot right now. So (laughs) hot. You know, public sector organizations in the U.S. were being targeted left and right. It's like every other week, it seems there was another media report about that. Mm-hmm, for Quite sure. a few here in the state of Texas as well. Yep. yep. So what were some of the kind of overall stats from the report? So overall, in 2019, they reported that there were only about 2,000 victim reports and only about $9 million in total losses attributed to ransomware, which I thought was interesting, but the FBI put a little note there and said that those numbers are likely artificially low because... It doesn't take into consideration, like we talked earlier, any kind of losses associated with business downtime. So if you can't access your critical systems or you lose customers or you can't transfer funds, all of that is not accounted for. So nine million dollars, it's you know, it seems low, but in reality, it's likely much, much higher than that. Right. And it's interesting. um, You know, we were talking about this earlier, but the general uh, theme around the FBI's guidance for paying ransoms uh, has generally blanket statement. Do not pay it. But there's an update from this year. Yeah, they have an asterisk, as, as Harrison said, right? It's don't pay, don't pay. And that's been the case for for many, many years, even I think dating back to when I was at Forrester over four years ago. I remember uh, even questioning that guidance. My position is it's a business's decision on whether or not they pay a ransom. In a previous podcast, we talked about an extortion uh, tabletop exercise that we did um, with our internal security team last year. Um, so it's you know, it's really, really important. But what the FBI added this year, which wasn't in the previous reports, was this uh, this paragraph. While the FBI does not support paying a ransom, there is an understanding that when businesses are faced with an inability to function, executives will evaluate all options to protect their shareholders, employees, and customers. So I think that's a, adding some nuance to something that is not a black and white decision. It's very, very gray. And hopefully you don't have to be in that position again that's why i recommend you do a tabletop and talk through how you would do it set some expectations get some mm-hmm. uh, internal uh, counsel external counsel perspective on it as well yeah and it's not just that the the nine million dollars might be artificially low it might also be that the actual victims that are reporting ransomware attacks might also be artificially low which is where the fbi might be hinting towards right mm-hmm. saying even if you do decide to pay that doesn't mean that you can't still reach out to us for support and guidance. Yeah. Yeah. They still want, they still want to know mm-hmm. and, you know, be, be in the loop if, if you're willing to share exactly. that information with them. Um, they, they say, don't, don't be dissuaded by it. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting update. Um, because it's something that was not in the last year's report, not in the last year's report. And it's just generally, you know, it's within the, in the zeitgeist of when it comes to FBI and mm-hmm. ransomware. Um, Ooh, zeitgeist. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I know. Big terms. <laughs> um, cool. So overall, Really interesting report. I highly recommend everybody go read uh, the blog that Alex did on this, uh, which will be published sometime soon. Um, why don't we do a little bit of a takeaway from this? So, Rick, from from a business point of view, 
What do you think is sort of the takeaway that people, organizations can look at this report and say, okay, how does this affect me in particular? A lot of the data in here is consumer related. Um, there's a lot that's in here that's enterprise related businesses as well. But I think even the consumer data, you can roll it up into your security awareness training program. Like I think things like tech support fraud, I think everybody's probably got the voicemails from Microsoft <laughs> yeah. telling you that you have a, a, a vulnerable system or something like that. So I think there's examples from this that you can roll up to your security awareness program to help people at home and help their families at home, which then levels up your overall security. And then I think with the uh, wire fraud um, or the business email compromise or email compromise uh, examples, there's something that's very specific you know, you should be working with your CFO. You should be working with your um, accounts payable group. You should be working with your HR team on, um, you know, employees requesting they get their ADP direct deposit up to date. Meanwhile, it goes out to the gift card, as we talked about before. So I think there's a mixture of things that you can do to level up your security awareness program. Uh, but then there's some very specific actions that you should take with respect to business email compromise to make sure that you are prepared and that you can hopefully be close to that 80% recovery number in the event someone does make a mistake and, and sends money somewhere it shouldn't go. Yeah, for sure. Alex, do you have any kind of, I guess, like people takeaways, like consumers forward facing, um, you know, what can they do to kind of pre prevent their money from being, being got? <laughs> well, I think the main takeaway is that uh, social engineering techniques are all the rage right now. If you mm -hmm. look at things like phishing, even though it's on its category of its own, it's still a big element of a lot of these other types of attacks. Yeah, BEC, for example. Mm -hmm. One thing, actually, not, not to go back into the report, but one thing that I did notice was a lot more mention of cryptocurrencies mm -hmm. and virtual currencies, um, which kind of goes to more you know consumer-facing stuff. Right. But, uh, but yeah, more theft in that area. All right. Well, thank you, guests. Uh, thank you, FBI, for giving us a uh, early report this year. Remember to check out the full blog and all of our other content at resources.digitalshadows.com.